Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the PBSC Podcast. I'm Steve Moore. Our, my co-host, Mark Castleman, is actually out for the day, so you're just going to have me today. It's good to be with you guys today. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we we thought about you a lot over the holiday break and hope that you're, as you're a week back into, uh, into the new year, that uh, you're kind of acclimating and getting back to things. I know it's kind of a transition getting back, and uh, anyway, we're very mindful of our listeners and just appreciate all of you and hope that things are going well as you jump into the new year. Um, today, we are going to be covering part two of our two, at least two-part series, uh, depending on some feedback that we're looking at from clients uh, or uh, from listeners, rather. Uh, we might do a part three to address some things, uh, but uh, we'll see how far we get today. Part two of our trauma response series. Um, if you guys recall, uh, for those of you who have not listened to last week's podcast, first of all, you're going to want to go back and listen to that. Uh, episode 104, our part one, how do I recognize when I or my partner are caught in a trauma response? Uh, during that podcast, we covered all sorts of things, focusing on mainly the awareness around trauma and how it works in the brain and specifically how we exhibit it in our relationships when it becomes sufficiently triggered. We talked a lot about the fight, flight, freeze response and some of the dysfunctional ways in which that can kind of come up. Um, and uh, we may do a little bit more discussion about that today. But today we definitely wanted to kind of shift focus out of just the problem, because if you recall, this is the other reason why you'll want to listen to part one first is that uh, the assignment at the end of this today is going to uh, build off of last week's assignment, which for those of you who listened, uh, was all about uh, sitting down and basically mapping out your own trauma response is what we talked about. Um, figuring out what that looks like for you and which ways do, does your fight, flight, freeze response or other responses manifest? What defenses typically come up for you? You know, What are the issues involved? Um, and then to kind of map that out on both in terms of the responses themselves, but the topics that specifically bring those up for you or the situations. Because our trauma, if you recall, can be triggered by all sorts of things in the environment, ranging from specific people to environments to maybe it's even just a gesture or a, a, a scent or a smell. Um, sometimes that's even a trigger to certain things, both positive and negative, including trauma. And so kind of just mapping those things out uh, is always a healthy exercise. And that's what we gave last week. And we're going to be building on that at the end of the podcast today. Uh, uh, so kind of buckle up and uh, we'll, we'll hit on the second part of navigating through and walking through 
moving out of a trauma response. Okay. When we are caught in one of those, when we find ourselves in that place, when we're escalated, what are kind of the, you know, if you look at, uh, if you guys have ever seen one of those fire extinguisher little, I don't know what you'd call them, the little fire extinguisher holders, right? On the front of there, it's got that little, you know, if needed break glass label. Uh, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. You know, when we really get in that traumatized space, how do we navigate that? How do we handle it? And how do we gradually de-escalate and become grounded enough to be able to process through it and get back to a place of authenticity where we can work on the on the issues underneath? Okay. Uh, so that's kind of where we're going to be going today. Um, so there are a couple of steps, okay, when, when it when it comes to getting out of a traumatized place. So everybody listening, uh, we we I'd want you to go ahead and just kind of think for a minute about the last time where you went into a trauma, a, a reactive trauma response, a toxically reactive trauma response, right? And that toxic part is important because as we've talked about before. Trauma is not, nor are the responses tied to it, are, they're not necessarily bad, right? Where trauma oftentimes becomes problematic, right, is when in our brain, instead of being one voice among many, so to speak, not actual voices, obviously, but well, one voice, metaphorically speaking, among many, instead of helping to inform our decisions and working in concert with other elements of our psyche, so for example, our our trauma ought to be when we make decisions about situations or circumstances or how we conduct ourselves, trauma ought to be a one voice among others like courage or vulnerability or openness, right? Or fear, right? All of these different voices are supposed to kind of in the subconscious background, make really rapid decisions when they're working in concert with each other, right? And we make decisions on how we live our lives uh, as we go throughout a day or throughout our week or in our relationships based on those voices working in concert. I think we used this analogy a little bit last week, but where a trauma response becomes toxic is when it progressively begins to override the other voices. And it goes from being something that is cautionary and recommending to us, hey, we've been hurt by things like this before. We should proceed with caution. And, and it takes on a whole new voice. It essentially you know, holds the whole meeting hostage of these different voices and takes over and says, forget all of those other voices, right? Forget transparency, forget authenticity, for big, forget being open, open-minded or contemplation. This is how we're handling this, and this is how it's going to go. Right? That's when that's when our trauma reactive space becomes really problematic. Uh, what we do in that trauma space can, more often than not, the vast majority of the time, is going to do far more damage uh, than good. So, let everybody kind of picture. If you're listening, go ahead and picture that you're in this space. Okay. Uh, the most recent time that that happened, it may may have been ten minutes before. This uh, podcast, you may be using this podcast as a way to kind of get grounded, which we definitely recommend on PVSC. Um, maybe this was last week or a, a fight that you had over the weekend with a spouse, or perhaps it was some sort of a conflict or inner struggle you had during work last week, whatever it is, right? Uh, I want you to kind of picture that in your mind and picture the responses that you had with that, okay? The ways in which you got unhealthily reactive, Um where you either got overly escalated and toxified a relationship or flew off the handle or completely shut down, right? And abandoned a conversation or a dialogue or whatever it is. And then I want you to kind of picture applying these things, these steps that we're going to talk about here to a situation like that. Okay. Rule number one, when it comes to overcoming a trauma response is taking, is, is uh, taking a break from the situation. Now, this topic of taking a break is something that we talk about on here intermittently on on uh, the PBC podcast. We actually uh, earlier today 
I did a session in Dare to Connect where we talked quite a bit about this. Um, Dare to Connect, for those of you who don't know, is our uh, is our online recovery program that Mark and I run uh, for, or D2C as it's commonly called, uh, for addicts, spouses, and couples. We meet three times a week. The groups are 30 minutes a week or 30 minutes each. And we go basically take what we do on the podcast, but we do it more interactively with our audience, with our subscribers on there. Um, and we answer questions. We cover these things more in detail. It does come with a two-week free trial, by the way. So we'd love to see you uh, visit us over there. Um, but if we kind of go back to this, back to this topic of recognizing, uh, right, that that response, and then taking a break. Um, rule number one is going to be pulling yourself out of the situation. Okay. Um, even though that sounds really simplistic, uh, Mark and I both know, both in our personal recovery time as well as with working with clients, that in the moment, this the first step is one of the hardest parts to do, because the trauma response in most cases, right, is is demanding some sort of response, right? That's why we call it a trauma response. It's it's inherently reactive. It wants to do something to manage it to handle it, and oftentimes. Step number one of overcoming trauma is being able to practice not in an abandoning or truly freezing way, but just stepping back for a moment and not reacting in any way, whether it's shutting down or whether it's getting more angry and escalating or whatever it may be. And that can involve a variety of things depending on what the situation is, right? So for example, um, let's say that uh Let's say that you're engaging with your partner. You guys are having a conversation about a particular topic, and the situation escalates to a point where we've no longer we're no longer in a place where we're in a vulnerable space, right? Where we're sharing and being transparent and owning our issues, practicing accountability. Uh, we've lost the ability, as we talk about sometimes on the podcast, to be our partner's friend in that moment. Uh, this would look like immediately owning in a transparent way with a partner, and just saying, "Look, I think that at least for me." this conversation has become one that's no longer productive. So I need to take a break from this. I need to remove myself from the situation. I need to step back. Okay. Um, and we just own that with the other person. If, if, it, if there's not a person specifically involved, maybe it is just a situation that we're in. We find ways to take a break from the situation, even if it doesn't involve other people. So getting ourselves out of that triggering environment, right? I worked with a client just like last week, actually, we were talking about this. Um, she went to church during the Christmas holiday and the Christmas holiday for her in particular is a very triggering time uh, for her. D-Day happened very close to the Christmas holiday disclosure day. In other words, she found out about her husband's sexual compulsive uh, nature and, and the different behaviors, and the betrayal that she'd been experiencing and that she had knew, knew nothing about. And it was the anniversary. It had been a couple of years since that had happened. And she's learned over time uh, both for herself and in our work together, that it can be kind of a destabilizing time. And such was the case for her a couple of days after Christmas uh, with with uh, with attending church. Uh, she went to church, found herself getting very triggered um, and and really struggling to keep her brain centered in the current state, in a current place, in a current state of mind. And that's a real key, guys, when you're talking about the brain's trauma response is being is one good litmus test for recognizing on whether or not I need to take a break. And, and it's hard to even see this sometimes in the moment, but is, is asking yourself, you know, how present am I able to be in this situation currently? Because trauma inevitably will take us back to other events, other situations, right? Other experiences that we've had. And the brain begins, begins for different reasons to kind of reprocess or relive those events. 
And so if I'm not able, a good way to tell if I'm in that trauma response is to be able to look at that and ask myself, honestly, you know, am I, am I present here today, here in church, for example, if we use this example here in 2022, or is my brain going back to other situations or circumstances that are not accurate here right now? Okay. So for her, the situation was really simple. This taking a break, she actually got up and she just removed herself and she took a break from the rest of her church meetings that day. Um, that is oftentimes what that, that will look like, right? So whatever it takes, we just need to remove ourselves from that environment. So number one is take a break. If you don't, taking a break is important as a first step because we've got to limit ourselves or mitigate as much as we can the feeding of the triggers that are causing the trauma response in the first place, right? And so we've got to remove ourselves from that situation, that conversation, if we're going to work to get a handle on this, as long as it continues to be drip fed by those things in the environment, uh, it's going to be very difficult to overcome that. Okay, so number two in, in these steps to uh, kind of what to do when you find yourself in a trauma response is to pursue some sort of grounding self-care, okay? And there's an emphasis that I'm putting on that concept of grounding because there are lots of different types of self-care. We cover lots of those on this podcast. Um, but when we say grounding uh, self-care, we're going to talk about things that are usually going to be, one, recharging, and two, things that, like the name implies, ground us here in the present, Right, as opposed to taking us to a place of of past tra- traumatic repetition, or trying to outwit or living in the future in a fear based or traumatized way, we want to engage in things that are going to pull our brain back to the here and the now. Right, right where I'm at. So there are a couple of things that can work for that. Uh, number one, uh, journaling I find to be my most helpful go to for that. Uh, Mark and I talk about journaling oftentimes on PBSC, and for good reason because this is. What we're talking about now is like rule number 976, (laughs) why journaling is so important Um, because journaling forces our brain to go from that place of looking into strictly just looking into the future or looking into the past. And it forces us to focus on, you know, what am I feeling right now? Right. So it pulls the brain back to a state of mind that's focused on the current, which is incredibly important if you're going to navigate this meditation, if used correctly, can also be really helpful during this time. Now, meditation is kind of a hit and miss, I'll be honest with you, when it comes to pulling out of trauma. It can be really helpful for mitigating trauma once we become more de-escalated and can even be really helpful in helping us stay out of it and is useful in a lot of other ways. But sometimes meditation can be counterproductive if you introduce it too early because it can help us rather than it helps to ground us on the current. It might help us, for example, to focus on the, on the thing that is triggering to us, which may not be the right course at this point. But meditation is a good option. Um, talking it out okay, with somebody that you trust who's not involved in the situation is also an excellent way to do this. I talk oftentimes on this podcast how even today, I have a daily renewal partner where you know we're not perfect at it, but we do try to connect as often as possible. We have each, voicemails for each other. You know, We shoot for once a day. We're not always perfect at it, but often, but we can also, we have that kind of special understanding that if we need to get the other person on the phone, we can do that pretty rapidly uh, and, and, and make that happen. So talking, uh, talking out the shame or the trauma or whatever it is with somebody carries huge benefits. We won't cover all that today, but just the, I, just the concept of us being listened to by somebody and being able to get that out so that it's not bouncing around up in our head helps the brain begin to process that in a healthy way. Okay. So just talking it out, not even necessary solution finding, although finding solutions with somebody can be helpful too. But even if we just leave that part be, and we just focus on 
just getting it out there, that can be tremendously beneficial. Okay. Step number three, ask yourself, why does my brain use or engage in this particular trauma response? Okay. Now this is after we, again, we've pursued kind of steps number one and two. Now we're going back and we're investigating and looking at, you know, what caused this in the first place so that we can start to resolve that and, and prevent that in the future. Right. So for example, um, I historically, when I'm feeling trauma or I'm feeling cornered, my typical go-to in the past has been aggression. And my wife can completely attest to that. Um, when I get pushed into a corner or feel like I'm getting pushed into a corner, even when she's really navigating a conversation well, if my shame or trauma gets triggered, either one of those elicits a similar response. I tend to start to close off and get really defensive and, and in, in an aggressive way. And as I look back on that, there are reasons why that happened for me um, and why that continues to happen for me, not to take up a bunch of time, but just to kind of get your guys' brains working. Um, there, When I was a kid, um, I went through a lot of traumatic things where uh, getting sad because of the culture that I was raised in and because I'm a guy and, you know, I got to be macho. Like for me, it wasn't safe to respond in more vulnerable ways for different ways, uh, for different reasons, I should say. Uh, vulnerability wasn't something that was always modeled to me, uh, emotional vulnerability in particular. And the examples that I had, um, especially after my dad passed away, uh, for mitigating uh, difficult things or navigating hard circumstances or triggering events, uh, oftentimes was through aggressive tone or language. And I, and I sadly kind of adopted that and I still have to continue to work on that. Right. And so identifying, you know, where did that come from? Right. Where did that originate originally? But then also looking at specifically, if I go back and I revisit this situation that I just experienced, what did, you know, what about that situation was triggering? Now, if you did the homework from last week, excuse me, and you're walking through this assignment right now, you're going to, um, you're going to already kind of have done that work, but taking, taking care to look at and pay attention to the reasons why you became triggered in the first place is very telling for helping us to either avoid or mitigate those things in the future. Okay. Um, asking yourself, you know, what does this, what does this do for me? Going back to my reasoning for aggression, right? When I was a kid uh, getting aggressive and even still today can be a huge way to deflect other people or to push them away. Now that's important information to know because my brain is trying to do in a dysfunctional way, probably what I need in the first place, right? If I'm trying to shove people away, that kind of speaks to what? Back to step one. In a dysfunctional way, my brain is trying to say, we need to take space from this, but I'm using aggressiveness, right? To try and achieve that. So finding healthier ways to do that is, is going to be important as, as we talk about, you know, navigating this in the future. Uh, and then also kind of tied to that, you know, asking yourself, you know, what might be some healthy alternatives for that? I kind of just covered that, right? Are there healthier ways to meet those needs that my trauma is, is trying to find without hurting relationships, right? Without hurting myself or setting myself up for shame or whatever the case may be. Um, so those are all com important components to step three of asking yourself, why, you know, why does my brain use this particular trauma response? And then the last uh, main, main uh, step that we've got here as we wrap up today is set a time for yourself and or the other person, if, there, if there's another person involved, to be able to come back to this. Okay, one of the biggest mistakes that we make following like a trauma response is we do take space or we take a break, 
but instead of figuring out how to navigate those triggering situations or going back and, and, and you know, alleviating or fixing or changing or bettering that situation, sometimes our go-to is just to avoid it, right? I'm just, okay, we're just going to avoid that. That's uncomfortable or, or that's too hard. And so we start to engage in avoidant behaviors around that thing. Now, there might be times where understandably, and if we're doing it in toxic ways, where avoidance in that particular way in which we're trying to address and work through that trauma might be uh, really critical or might or might not be you know, the right recommendation. So for example, a wife trying to go back and, and work through trauma with a husband, if she has not been able to do her own work to feel safe and or he's not doing work to provide safety for her may or may not be the right decision at this point in time, right? To, uh, to come back. Maybe it's not right to set a time to come back to this with that person. But even if I'm not, if it's not safe to go back and, and come back to that with my partner currently, that doesn't mean that I can't set a time to come back to this. If I'm taking a break and say, okay, I'm going to call my sponsor by tomorrow night and I'm going to work through this and talk it out. Or I'm going to journal this whole thing out and kind of map this whole thing out. Uh, and I might even do that in little pieces, but I'm going to do that by the end of the week, you know, whatever it is. But we need to be setting a time to be and creating some structure so that we come back to these things and work on them and that they don't become something that we just shove into the background. Because if we shove them into the background, what, what happens, among other things? One, it's that issue is going to continue to toxify, but more important, just as importantly, I should say, should say we're bound to beat that, right? We're bound to get pulled right back into that same response. And as we talked about last week, usually those most of us in a trauma response tend to be kind of like emotional bulls in China shops, right? We say or do things or hurt things or people or relationships in ways that just create more problems. And that set us further back in our own processing, in our own healing. They limit resources for us. They, they cause a lot of negative things. And so um, as I'm talking about this, I'll talk a little bit more with Mark about it. We may look at doing a part three to this because there's so much to say on the topic of trauma. We recognize this is a really kind of baseline approach to, again, it's a, if needed, break glass approach to getting out of the situation, start working on this. As always, we definitely recommend that if you are struggling with, with recurrent uh, trauma, if you're struggling with deep trauma or complex trauma, please do consider reaching out and seeking out a qualified therapist who has training in navigating those types of issues. Um, there are lots of different modalities in therapy that we can utilize, EMDR uh, and, and some others uh, that can be appropriate for helping to navigate that in different ways. Talk therapy is also helpful as well. But please don't make that mistake of just navigating that alone. We applaud that you guys are tuning into the podcast and love that you're listening, uh, but, you, but more support around this issue is needed, uh, whether it's with, with a therapist you know, our Dare to Connect program that I mentioned earlier is a really good place to be able to chat and engage with other people in an anonymous way about these issues. Our, our chat thread as we're going through and, and doing the interactive side of Dare to Connect in each group is a really positive place to find healing and, and validation from people who really get it, who are going through the same thing as you. Uh, so again, we'd love to have you take a look at that. You can look, learn more about that program at daretoconnectnow.com. Uh, but at any rate, we know that this is just a, these are just some beginning steps, guys. Um, to navigating this. Uh, please, as always, send us your thoughts, your feedback, your comments, uh, questions, anything on this issue or other issues relating to sexual compulsion and trauma uh, that we can address. We, we love and support and really do uh, appreciate and admire everyone who tunes in each week. We appreciate our listeners. 
uh, for lots of different reasons, but we do admire your courage on working on these things. It's so it's it's so easy for for so many people to just try to kind of shove that down and shove it away or ignore it and try to navigate it in other less healthy ways. So we appreciate and and uh, really do admire you for looking for that support uh, and for seeking healing and recovery. Um, and you can, as always, send those questions or things that you would like to address us to address on the podcast. Mark, I anticipate we'll be back next week. Uh, you can send all of those things and more. Uh, reach out to us with anything that you would like to at uh, pbscpodcast.com. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.